another edition of Turn Out of Punk. I'm your host, Stephen Abraham, and what's going to happen to you about the show going to focus in the punk, may or may not still be involved in punk, and have their life changed by the genre in a major way. Today on the show, Void Week continues with Bubba Dupree, the legendary guitar player of Void. More on that in one second. But first, if you want to get in touch with me, head over to the email address, turnoutapunkpodcast at gmail.com. That and the Facebook page and Instagram page, both are at Turned Out of Punk on their respective things, are run by my brother and show producer and guest booker extraordinaire, Tristan Abraham. Thank you, Tristan, for all the hard work you do on this show each and every week. And he will get the message to me and we can communicate that way. You can also find me on various forms of social media at left for Damien. Um, just Twitter and Instagram at left for Damien. And you can get in touch with me that way. If you want to support the show, the best way to support the show is by telling everyone that, you know, that you enjoy this podcast that we do over here on the show. Uh, you can also, uh, you know, subscribe to it and rate it. And uh, write a review on your podcast platform of choice. But speaking of support, this thing would not be possible without the kind, loving support of the fine folks at Vans who came aboard a few years ago and said, Damien, do what you do. Just just don't, you know, do it out of your own pocket anymore. And they let me book whoever I want to book. And it is amazing. And I thank them for their support. And speaking of support... I want to th- say huge, huge thank you, as always, to the huge support of the people over there at patreon.com slash turned out of punk. That's why I'm able to do two episodes a week now, you know, churning them out. You know, they're, they're, they're basically supporting this podcast, and I very much appreciate that. So if you want to be like uh, the people supporting this thing, head on over there and check out what we're doing over there. There's footnotes and other stuff. So thank you very much to them, as always. Okay, on to today's show as we continue Void Week over here on Turn Out of Punk. Oh, all right. Now, this is a big one for me. Bubba Dupree is a legend. Now, he is someone who, you know, I say it right to him, has always been surrounded by an air of mystery to me. He's someone who revolutionized the sound of punk forever with his, you know, guitar style and someone who is fairly underdocumented. Once again, huge shout out to Salad Dazed and to to uh, Punk the Capital, and of course to uh, NoEcho.net, which had a great interview with Chris, you know, for shedding a little bit of light on it. And then, of course, all the zines that have been, all the old zine interviews that I've I've come across or have in in my collection somewhere and all the places that these people have been written about. But still, there's like, I don't know, just like it's it's an obscure band, you know, not obscure to anyone that knows the genre, but... For how important they are, I think they're kind of obscure. Anyway, I might be rambling right now. I probably am rambling right now, but I, you know, I, I just, I just, I just love this band, you know, and I, I never thought I'd get a chance to talk about them in this kind of way on the show. So huge thank you to Chris and Bubba for coming on here and doing this thing with me. This is the reason I wanted to do this podcast, you know, so I could uh, meet these sorts of people and, and, and talk to these people that I've always been curious about that, that changed this thing forever and void. Oh. If you've not heard Void by this point, you know, you got no excuse. Check out that Sessions record. Check out the unreleased LP because this is a band that changed this genre. I I said it before and I say it again in this episode. This is a band that revolutionized hardcore forever, you know, and and specifically Bubba with his guitar playing changed the guitar style. and, And you hear that. You hear his influence to this day. Okay, that's it. I'm not going to ramble on anymore. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Bubba Dupree on Turned Out a Punk.
Bubba, thank you so yeah. much for coming on the show. Yeah, my pleasure. Well, as I was just telling you off air, you're like one of my dream people to talk to. I've always, uh, I've obviously been a massive fan of your work and just, you know, you're someone who's, who's always kind of been a, a had an air of mystery about you to me. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go along with that part, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to start this off the way they all start off, which okay. is, how did you get into punk? Do you remember the first time you ever came across the genre? Uh, I do, and I, I know it's a story that other people have told, but it really is how I found out about punk rock was um, the Sex Pistols in Esquire magazine. Man. They, uh, I, I saw some pictures and read an article, and something just spoke to me for some reason and I got fascinated with the idea ever since it's about about the sex pistols I went out to fucking Kmart or whatever and got uh got the album on eight track and uh that was that was it really it's so funny because actually that one has never come up as being the gateway for anyone so far but that sounds amazing what was the Esquire article like was it really kind of sensationalist pushing the violent stuff or uh I mean Esquire is pretty laid back no they, it was yeah. it wasn't tabloid or anything it was I think they were as confused as everybody else was at the time. <laughs> but there were some great pictures. And that's, I mean, sadly, they, that's what sold me initially. I, they just, because you, you could just tell by looking at them that you, you kind of knew what they were about. And that was something I felt like I might be about. It's funny, too. The 8-track version of that record is one of the most collectible 8-tracks of all time. That is, that's a shame, because it probably ended up in a... <laughs> In a trash can or left behind somewhere because I have a hard time holding on to stuff. But. Were you already kind of playing music at this point? Um, no, I mean, I started shortly after, um, but no, no. I, I The thought of it never even crossed my mind. And that's part of, I mean, why I started playing because it, it seemed like something I could actually do once I, I heard the Sex Pistols. Mm-hmm. And so what kind of music were you into prior to hearing the Sex Pistols? Uh, the regular stuff I'm still into quite, I mean, Aerosmith and Kiss, Led Zeppelin, the normal. And I, I mean, I grew up on, my parents were kind of young and I grew up in San Francisco. Well, I was raised for a couple of years in San Francisco and I, so I was around a lot of hippie music and Sly and the Family Stone and all that stuff. And um, that was always in, in my head. And then, and then I was just full on top forty KC Kasem for years, and then, then uh, you know, the hard rock. So going back to San Francisco, did you go to any concerts when you were super young with your parents? Uh, yeah, they took me to the only one I remember is the Jackson Five, but they used to take me to a bunch of shit. Um, I don't. I, I'll have to get a list because I I know I saw some shit that got in my subconscious somehow, but I, uh, I don't remember anything but that one for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of your memories of that show? Cause that would be an amazing first show to get to see. Uh, it's really, I mean, God, you were, I'm, I'm like five or six years old, <laughs> yeah, so I couldn't, I couldn't give you any deeds, but I, I have a snapshot memory definitely of sitting up in the stands. It was at the cow palace. Um, and it's, it's really, it's a, it's a, a mental snapshot more than anything. I couldn't tell you what it sounded like or what they were wearing or anything like that. Absolutely. So where did you kind of go from this sort of Sex Pistols 8-track that you picked up? Like, where were you kind of discovering music from around that time, other than Esquire? Um, 
Uh, nowhere really. I mean, before I mean, once once that door got open, then I mean, you know, I started looking at magazines geared towards all that. But before that, it was really really just whatever I heard on the radio. I mean, I didn't have any older brothers or anything. I didn't really. My parents by that point weren't super into music, so I it was just whatever random shit was floating around. And so where'd you kind of go from that Sex Pistols 8-track? Uh, well, then I then I started to get all the, the obvious stuff. I mean, the Ramones and all that. And, um, and then uh, I think I started going to, a, what's I think it's Yesterday and Today is that record store down there that all those guys worked at. I think I started going there every now and then when I could get my parents to drive me down there, just kind of just buying random stuff because I didn't know what to get. So I would just buy a couple 45s at a time. Mm -hmm. It's kind of amazing the stuff that they had in that store. Like, you know, just the selection, it seems like, like a real, like sort of eclectic punk rock taste for like across all sort of places. Uh, For, for sure. I mean, I think that, uh, that probably had more than anything to do with that whole scene even happening. Just the fact that that record store existed there and was the way it was. So what were some of the guitar players other than, you know, Steve Jones and I guess, you know, Johnny Ramone that were kind of standing out to you around that time? Uh, to this day, Brian James is probably my favorite mm-hmm. punk rock guitar player. Absolutely. I, I'm a big fan of that guy. Um, but yeah, and then, I mean, later on, I mean, we got into the germs and stuff. I mean, obviously I was into Pat Smear. That's still, but I, Brian James is, I still hold up with, you know, the Claptons and the Pages for, for my taste today. And like, what about sort of, you know, Discharge and bands like that? Were they on your radar at all? Uh, they were definitely on the radar. Yeah, you couldn't get away from them at the time. <laughs> I, I don't I don't think I ever went too deep with, with any of that. I, I mean, I had some singles and stuff, and obviously I was around it a lot. But um, I, I don't think that was ever one of my top ones, oddly enough. I mean, I know we get thrown in with that a lot, which, which makes perfect sense, but I, I I was somewhere else. I think I was looking for something more, more trippy. Yeah. That's the thing about your style is like, you know, that's why I'm so fascinated by it because, you know, I was, I was telling Chris about this yesterday, but I think more than any other band, you know, you kind of pre foretold where hardcore has gone as far as a sound, especially with the guitar stuff. And it's, it's just so, you know, foundational that I'm interested in what, you know, kind of influenced that for you. I, again, I think it, it, it goes back to just, uh, being a little kid on hate Ashbury. I think that, that alone really just <laughs> put my mind in a different place than, uh, other kids, my age, when I moved, when we moved to the East coast, I was just, that was it for me and friends. I mean, I couldn't, I was, I was on my own for sure. Yeah, like what were the you know kids around you getting into around that time, music-wise? I mean, uh, the same, the same, yeah, the the, the usual, Kiss, et al., all that stuff. Yeah. Were there any other punk kids? Uh, well, it depends on when you're talking. No, I, I've, I don't know that. I, by the time I left high school, there might have been three or four other people who identified themselves as as that, but I. At that the time, no, 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 that wasn't a thing. <laughs> <laughs> what about 
like sort of that, you know, the more new wave stuff, the Slicky Boys and, and that kind of stuff? Was that on your radar? Oh, point? for sure. Yeah. For, I mean, yeah. I mean, you, there was so little to go around. You had to take what you can get. And I, they were great. And I, I mean, I had always loved, well, by that point, Devo is still pretty new. But yeah, I, I've, I've definitely, for sure. I, I mean, I think that Talking Heads was one of the, the earlier ones I got as well. I mean, I, I was, look, I was just searching. So yeah, I wasn't close-minded until later, I think. So what was the first punk show you went to? I don't know if I remember that. Or like even like some of the early ones that kind of made an impression on you that you went to. Um, by the time I was going to shows, I mean, I think I, I must have already known uh, the other guys who would end up being in the band because that would because I didn't drive. Right? So that would have been my only way down to like D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, so it probably, yeah, probably would have been. I don't know if it was specifically a minor threat show, but it would have been something like that in that era. And like, what was, you know, your impressions of, you know, those concerts versus, you know, obviously the Jackson five, but just other shows you had been to prior to that. Uh, No, I was, I was full, full on in right off the bat. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, by that point, yeah, I was, I was desperate for something. I mean, as I said, I mean, I was, I was, for sure on an island outside of the guys from the band eventually i mean it was uh out where we lived it was uh it was a no man's land were there any local bands kind of out where you lived no i mean not just like cover bands there weren't any there was not is not some scene thing or anything like that no mm-hmm. no i mean it turns out there were people around that i found out usually but i mean at the time it was just that small circle of friends really. And we were the only ones like doing actual shows and stuff that I knew of anyway. Uh, so how did you start playing guitar? Um, I, I think I just ordered it something out of like a Sears catalog and just started fucking around with it, learned how to play fifths and playing along to sex pistols and Ramon stuff. And then, um, a friend of mine who was not really a punk rocker, but he was kind of open-minded, wanted to play drums. And we he just we just used to beat on like a we had a barbecue set he used to use as just to bang on, and I'd plug my shit in, and we just started making shit up, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Did that project have a name? It never got nearly that far. <laughs> <course>. it, it, <laughs> it sounds awesome though. It sounds kind of raging. You know, well, I, I well, it's uh, who knows, man. I could. <laughs> I could look back on it and believe that, but I kind of doubt it was very <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, well, did you have that sort of style that you, you know, obviously, you know, invent later on, like that early? Were you kind of already messing around with what you were going to be doing guitar-wise? Not really, no. Um, it was, I mean, it was just super basic. I was like literally just learning how to make bar chords and all that. And I, I, I don't, I don't know what, what, what made it go to where where it was um because i remember even when we first started it was it was pretty damn basic um and i think a lot of it had to do with the the, i was just really shy and i would just get on stage and just kind of stand still and look look down and then one show out of nowhere i just kind of like 
let go. And I think that's kind of when I started to just do the weird shit on the guitar. It was all connected to that. I just kind of finally learned to let go. And so like when you started playing, uh, you know, guitar and stuff, how did, uh, word spread that, you know, you were this guitar player? Like, how did you wind up meeting the guys, the other guys in void? Uh, if I recall correctly, it was, um, loosely based around skateboarding, which I, I was only peripherally, I, I never really took it seriously, but it was the only way to like meet people who were into weird music and stuff. So I would hang around where they were skateboarding. And I think they might've known some like older brothers or friends or somebody I knew from high school or something. There was some connection. So I just, I don't remember exactly how it happened, but I'm, we just struck up a, a kind of semi friendship and, uh, eventually uh, realized we all tried in some way to play certain things and said, what the fuck? What was it like kind of uh, those early shows? You're saying like, you know, it was very basic at that time, but what, what was the reaction like? Like, what was the scene like for you? Um, yeah, this is, yeah, this is where I get like get a little bit hazy. I don't really remember. I mean, they must've gone Somewhat okay because we kept getting shows, but I, I don't remember the early ones, and uh, I don't I don't remember how. It, I mean, I know Sean the drummer was kind of a socialite schmoozer guy. I know he talked us into a lot of stuff, but I mean, we kept going back, so so something was working. But I don't I don't really remember early reactions. I don't even remember I don't even remember the first DC show. I remember playing out in Columbia where we grew up at some like youth center or something for very much non-punk rockers. But I don't, I don't remember uh, when we, when we first started playing down in DC, I, I couldn't tell you. And one of those lost memories. Chris brought up a, a wild sounding show where you're, we're playing uh, some older guys birthday party and it got besieged by rednecks and it ended up being a, a total riot in the parking lot trying to get out. Do you remember that show at all? Uh, Again, I remember, remember multiple riots, and they've all kind of <laughs> run together. <laughs> so I'm not sure which one that is, but yes, that sounds for sure like something that would have happened. It's so amazing because that scene is just, you know, obviously become so storied at that time. But, you know, Void, especially out of all the early bands, is really the band that kind of has like a, a real different approach to, to, the, to the sound. Yeah, no, in in hindsight, for sure, I can I can I can see it now. At the time, um, it didn't seem that that uh, that out of step with everybody else. It, that's so it's weird when when you're in it. It doesn't it doesn't seem weird or different or that, at all. Really, I don't. So, how was your what was your approach to recording? Like all the noise on the recordings and things like that. Was that something that came out of? you know, design or is that something that, you know, was more of a result of equipment? No, I think that's something that, uh, that they came up with, uh, Ian and God, I forgot the guy's name who ran the studio shit. Um, I think that's just something they came up with kind of, I think he, he heard kind of what I was doing and just decided to exaggerate that completely. I, I would have never, I mean, I didn't even know those effects existed. So I wouldn't have come up with that. At, I mean, like I was 14 or something years old. I, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, cool. um, but it, it, it worked. I mean, it was, it was a pretty genius move on his part. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's such a, like, you know, like you listen to bands now and it's such a definitive sound that 
you know, a lot of pain. Oh, yeah. Um, so yesterday, Chris and I were talking and we got to the second LP and he's like, and he's like, oh, that's something you should talk to Bubba about. What, what? <laughs> why, why am I always the fall guy for this? <laughs> <laughs> well, I go back and listen to that record and I think, you know, before I had heard it, it was always pitched to me as like, oh, that's their metal record. Like then I was picturing some sort of crossover record, but you know, it is just a very heavy, you know, psychedelic kind of sounding record. It's kind of psychedelic. It's got little gothy moments. It's got it's a weird one. I mean, there are there are things about it that are that I'm not that bummed about. It just I just always thought it was just kind of a mess all all told and just weird sounding. I I don't know. At some point we were talking about going back in and remixing it and taking all the reverb off the drums and whatever was on there. But I, I, I mean, I, I, it's one of those things that enough, I mean, you've heard it. So enough people have is why we don't even need to put it out. It's, mm-hmm. it's there. Um, and then, then I don't have to say, I don't have to make excuses for it. It's just, uh, if you're that curious, you can get it. And if not, I'm not going to sell you on it because <laughs> it is what it is. It's kind of the smile of hardcore. In a lot of ways, you know, like this story <laughs> has only been assembled from bootlegs. Fair enough. I, that's, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. Sure. Man. You know, and, and like, you know, not to overstate it. Cause as you're saying, you know, you're, you know, you guys felt it was a mess or you feel it's a mess and stuff, but it does have like a real ambition to it. Like, you know, and I think uh, obviously with a little more time, it could have been something like a really heavy statement. Yeah, well, that, that's I think that's part of why it's always felt awkward to me because it was we kind of did it right at at the same time that I kind of decided I wanted to like make music for real, and so it's got just one foot in that do it for real, and still one foot in the we're just a bunch of idiot kids from the suburbs, and we so it's it, that's what makes it feel like a mess for me. Like we could have we could have gone all in on either one, and I'd, I'd be fine, but it just it's a it's a, a lot straddles a line that i don't think works that well yeah no i i can totally understand also when as you're saying when you're in it you see it differently oh sure sure um also chris was mentioning yesterday there was like a certain point where you know shows just got excessively violent you know and it felt like there was a turn um and i was just wondering you know what are your thoughts on the scene and obviously like you know there's there was a lot of violence that's been talked about now did you notice yeah. that back then or was that oh yeah yeah you couldn't get away from it and i i never understood where it came from or what it was about but it it, would, it got to be not that much fun definitely and i don't think that period lasted that long really but it was i didn't maybe there's just some kind of growing pain but it was it was weird yeah and i i mean i remember it mostly being coming from the outside i think the people that were in that scene weren't like beating each other up right but it was we didn't have the gangs and shit like they did in the LA. It was just locals or whatever would would just like were just enraged by what we were doing and would just <laughs> at least that's the part I remember. I mean, I know there are other elements going on, but that's the part I remember. It was just seemed like it was us against something else for some weird reason. I never quite got. Yeah, like it definitely, it seems like it, it shifted the sound of the scene ultimately, like obviously Revolution Summer, but yeah. did it shift your, you know, your, well, your personal approach, but also the band's approach to playing shows? 
Well, I mean, I, I think we were kind of fading out anyway. Mm. Around the time it started to just get unbearable. And um, so I, 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 I couldn't tell you what would have happened had we just been starting or still wanted to go. But I mean, all those guys were going to college. I was like kind of getting bored with it. And so it was, we, were, we were pretty much done by that point anyway. So who were some of your favorite bands of the, the era? Not even necessarily just DC bands, but like bands you guys were playing with or seeing. Um, I don't really remember. I remember liking Rites of Spring a lot, which again, they were a little bit towards the tail end of us, but I, I, that's, they always struck me as a, an actual band. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I liked every, all the bands. We were, I mean, Minor Threat and um, I think we played with SOA a couple of times. Um, I mean, obviously the Bad Brains are does not even you don't even have to say that. Of course. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't remember there being any bands that just were like a bummer. What about other scenes? Like, what was some of your favorite places to kind of go? Because you guys obviously played some out of town shows, like the infamous New York show and, and things like that. So, like, what yeah, was- we, we always had a connection with the the Midwest thing for some reason. I mean, the Necros and stuff. Um, that was always fun. They're, they they were good guys, and that that all the shows up there were always a blast. Mm-hmm. And I guess you ultimately end up doing a band with Graham from Negative Approach too, right? I did, yeah. Uh, were you a fan of Negative Approach at all? Um, I didn't really know him that well at the time, honestly. I don't. I don't think I ever saw him play, mm-hmm. um, and I don't even really. God, I don't even remember knowing their records at the time, which is odd. But yeah, I don't know. He moves down to DC eventually, right? Because he, he yeah, does yeah, Sam yeah, Hayden, right, almost, right. I mean, exactly. Um, so, how did you? What what band did you do after Void, or what was your kind of next music project afterwards? Um, and I had a, just a, a couple kind of false starts inside a band with, um, this guy, Vance Bacchus, who he was in, um, uh, a couple of this band called the factor. And he was also in, uh, God damn it. What is, what is, what was Wino's band? Why am I spacing Obsessed. obvious stuff? Yeah. He was, I was totally going to ask you about that. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. He used to sing for the obsessed. Um, and we had, it was kind of like a, trashy glammy thing and never went anywhere but we did that for a couple of years um and then eventually i yeah i got together with graham we started that band called earth 18 um did that for a couple of years and then um uh, put out a record that went straight to the cutout bin and then packed it in and then uh and then i went on tour with moby for a couple of years and then then i moved out to seattle and there you so go. You, uh, going back to that band like, yeah. immediately after Void, did you guys record it all? Uh, no, we, we, I think we did a couple of demos. We never put anything out or anything. No. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. It'd be so amazing to hear that stuff. Um, because that's, that's a band that I could see, you know, I, you know, maybe not fitting in with, but with the obsessed <laughs> yeah. kind of by being a band that doesn't fit in, you guys would kind of fit in with a little bit. Oh yeah, no. It sounded nothing like the Obsessed. I and I love that band, but no, it's that. That's a band I should have mentioned when I said when you asked what bands around that I was into. Um, but because we, I think I think we did actually play with them once or twice. That's right. 
That's awesome. You know, they're a band that I just like, you know, well, obviously St. Vitus afterwards and, and everything afterwards with Wino, but that band yeah. is just like, I don't know, just so, so it's, it sounds kind of punk in its approach. And there they are 100% their own thing, man. Talk about a band that invented something. Jesus Christ, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. They're nuts. Um, also, Earth 18's a fan. That record's really cool. Like, it kind of sounds like Floyd a little bit. It's like all... It's like, oh, you've heard it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, you know, I'm honestly, I'm not embarrassed. I like it. I still. Yeah. So I what was, was the deal with that band? Did you guys tour at all or play, you know, play out at all? Well, yeah, we, we, uh, we did the, the U.S. a couple times. Um, and that, I mean, really, it literally, well, I'm not exaggerating when I say it, I, there, basically we got signed and then the label folded probably days before the record came so it just it literally got sent out and went straight into the bed because it was pointless to even put it out at that point and uh so that kind of took the the wind out of the sails and um so that fell apart too quick um and it's funny moby was just on the show a couple weeks ago and and talked about you know playing with you and and just like what a thrill that was because it was a huge Void fan. But how did you? Uh, what's your memory of coming to meet him and getting involved with with touring with him? Uh, that was that was great. Yeah, um, my my girlfriend at the time um, worked for I don't know if it was his label. Worked for somebody and connected us. And I I went up there with my guitar thinking I was going to audition, and it was like. There's, this is not an audition thing. Just we're going to talk about. <laughs> um, but no, it was great. I mean, that's the first time I ever got to like actually travel, travel, and go overseas and play big shows and get on a bus and all that stuff. Man, it was awesome. And it was fun. He was, he was, he was, he was a good dude. It was, it was a good, it was a good run, man. No, he's he's definitely like a huge fan. Like we yeah. <laughs> brought that up several times. Like one of the high points <laughs> for his career. Well, um, it was also the, the height of my my drugginess so i i'm sure he's got some stories about me doing weird shit too that he probably was classy enough to not go into but yeah i <laughs> i was i was going off of a deep end at the same time which is part of the reason it didn't it didn't last that long and mm-hmm. well i'm like not to gloss over that of course yeah. but like was that <laughs> no. but was but um was that the first time you kind of noticed that like void had kind of like ascended to something or or had a place in in sort of uh music history I, 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 I get. I don't know. I don't. It's still. It's still a struggle for me to to wrap my head ar- around that whole idea. So I mean that that was definitely one of the first times. Um. At least. I, yeah. I'll just say yeah. <laughs> and it's it's definitely it's still. I mean, every time I meet anybody who who knows about it, much less makes a big deal about it, it's still pretty close to shocking to me well it's funny because like it's become you know it's almost like the 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 logos almost hit this point where it's showing up in places that have no context with the band even it's like oh yeah yeah like it's it's crossed over to that kind of like motorhead skull era yeah logo yeah. type thing <laughs> i've noticed that who did i god I, there was some like pop singer girl wearing a void t-shirt or something or like the crosses and i I don't remember where this was years ago and that was when i knew that was that's it's crossover into a different 
it's now the the misfit skull thing. Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. My, <laughs> my wife has somewhere. I got her a bootleg sweater when we were on tour in China one time with my band of of just all voids crosses all over. <laughs> nice, um, and yet genius. I don't think we ever officially put out <laughs> anything to sell with that. <laughs> I know Chris printed up some and was like giving them away for a while, but we never in all these years ever sold any t-shirts or anything well now's the time um the other place i wanted to ask you about was uh touring with soundgarden and obviously like i remember that was when you know i remember when it kind of got out that you were on tour with soundgarden it was like a huge deal for everyone being like oh my god right. you see bub in that video, yeah. and the live video and stuff like that. <laughs> so i just wanted to find out how that came about and like were those guys fans as well uh they were yeah they, that's that's through the moby thing i mean we were opening up for them for a quite a while in Europe and um, Kim and Ben were, were Void fans. And so once they, they realized I was that guy, um, <laughs> we started hanging out and uh, yeah, no, I've been, I mean, I've been friends with them ever since. That's far the reason I moved back out to Seattle actually. Cause I didn't know anybody else. Yeah. Like it's, and it's yeah. also, it just feels like it's a, a musician town. It kind of is, and I mean, it's more of an old man musician town now. But it's yeah. just bouncing back. It yeah. has its moments. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how about how did you come to meet Brant Bjork? Um, I think I initial the first time I met him. I think I was on tour with uh, Ben's band Hater, mm-hmm. and he was like doing an interview with us on behalf of somebody else. I mean, he was conducting the interview and then, um, and when I, we liked each other, everything, yada, yada, five, six, maybe 10 years later, uh, he was on tour with, uh, the thing that couldn't be called Caius. I forgot what they were called at the time. Yeah. I've heard of the, the product. No, it had, I remember the name. It was Caius lives for a while. Then it was, but then it had, they had, it was, then it, they had to even change it for, I forgot what it was, but anyway, um, I went to see him, um, hung out for a bit, uh, talked about music, clicked on a lot of stuff. And then I guess when that fell apart and he was looking to put together a band, um, uh, he just decided he 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 wanted me to play guitar and figured out uh, how to get hold of me, and he did. And that was it, really. Those records are so sick. I love his I love his solo stuff. Yeah, no, he's he's got moments for sure, man. What what about like now? What are you doing music wise these days? Uh, not much. I mean, we were. I was. We, yeah, we had a bunch of tour things with Brandt's schedule that obviously aren't happening now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that's, as far as out in public stuff, that's all I really do is his thing. I've been um, kind of working on a made-up thing of my own for years that I'll probably never finish because I'm not well enough in the head to. But, I, yeah, I, hey, I, I record all the time, basically, um, but not with any real end goal in mind. Do you, do you ever want to go back to playing in like a punk hardcore band or doing more music like that ever? Yeah. Uh, you did the Vitamin X record, I guess. So you, you have gone back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, I forgot about that. I still got to get one of those. Um, I, it, I, I'm kind of torn a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it, it would be fun on one level, but I, I just a lot of that relied on me just being young and energetic and not old and beaten down. I don't know if it would quite be the same thing. I was there was some guys approached me not that long ago, and I was I, very close to doing it. Um, it was like blood, blood. What was it blood clot, blood loss, something like that? Oh, blood um, clot, like with John, yeah. John Joseph. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, and yeah, and I was real because I, I, they're all kind of lived down in the desert where I have to go to do the branch stuff, and so I, it almost worked out, and then it just the schedule didn't quite work out, and I got sidetracked, and I don't know if I could have pulled it off anyway. It's it, that might be a young man's game for for my taste, at least the, what we did. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I have it in me anymore. <laughs> I think. I think. I'd love to hear what you brought to it sonically, you know. But I can totally understand the. Uh, my God, do I wish I had picked a different path than having a. No, it might. I think it's just better for me to disappoint people on my own terms and not like <laughs> have them show up and expect to see something that just is not. <laughs> it's just not possible anymore. Um, <laughs> did you go to that Fear Saturday Night Live show? Uh, I did not, and I'm still upset about it. No, my parents <laughs> would not let me go. And every time I see that goddamn thing, it just pisses me off. <laughs> I see our drummer bouncing across the fucking stage. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I'm supposed to be on that bus. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't. That's the short answer. Uh, that's the thing I've kind of heard is that you had a lot of shows that got canceled because of various members getting grounded. Yeah, that was a thing for sure. <laughs> for sure, that was a thing. Yeah, I don't think I don't think my parents ever didn't let me play a show, but they sure as fuck didn't let me go to a whole bunch of them. <laughs> What's the one show other than the Fear Show you're most bummed about missing? You think? Um, well, I'm not heartbroken now, but at the time, I remember throwing a little bit of a temper tantrum about not going to see the Plasmatics. Oh, that would be an amazing show. <laughs> yeah. <though. laughs> Yeah, and not a not a band that I feel the need to revisit or anything, but it just at the time that just that was totally the thing to do, and it just seemed like such a, a, a just otherworldly kind of thing. But no, um, that's the one that sticks in my. I know there were dozens, but that's the one that I always uh, that and the fear one for sure. Just kind of in line with the uh, obsessed and stuff, and, and being more outsider DC bands. Like, what did you think of bands like? Pussy Galore, or did you see them when they were playing DC? Or I never saw them, but I was a huge fan of that band, though. Absolutely. So, once again, like another band, like half Japanese, like all these bands that came out of the scene that have no- nothing sonically to do with DC hardcore. It's just, just so amazing. No, but it all it all somehow makes makes sense with it. <laughs> yeah, and y'all, you added that go-go that's also happening at the same oh, time. Oh, fuck, yo, yeah, that was sad. It's weird. That's a thing that... You might not hear it in there, but that had a lot to do with what was going on for fucking jerks. Everybody was into that stuff. It feels like it's so regional too. Like there was like, I think Trouble Funk had like a minor hit at some, like on a a national scale, but like it never really took anywhere else in the same way. No, no, that is exactly what it was. Yeah. Nobody outside of DC gave a fuck about that stuff. Well, Bubba, if you ever want to come back on this thing and do a part two, the door is always open. All right. 
Thank you, Bubba, for coming on the show. And you heard right there, Bubba can come back and be on the show whenever he wants. Holy. Oh, and if you have not heard Earth 18 before, which I'm sure there's many of you who hadn't and haven't because uh, it is an obscure record. Check it out. Oh, that is an underrated 90s record. And I... I long for Bubba releasing that solo record that he describes right there because I think I think he's a genius, you know? I think he's 100% a genius. And, you know, he plays on ProBot. There's a lot of, you know, little appearances he's made over the years, but a, a far un, a far too underdocumented um, musician because, oh, the stuff he has out there. <laughs> oh, okay, I could talk about Void forever. Uh all right, next week on the show, next week on the show, we're going to continue this doing a, a week for bands thing. And next week on the show, a band that's much more current that I'm also loving that has a, a really cool, different sound. The band is 1865. If you're not familiar with the 1865, check out that Don't Tread on We record that they put out. It is fantastic. And, uh, yeah, and, and kind of discuss that record and discuss a whole lot of things actually next week on the show, Honey Child and Sasha Jenkins. Honey Child is an incredible musician and we have a fantastic conversation about, you know, sister girl riots and, and, you know, her whole journey to get to the 1865. And then with, with Sasha Jenkins, I don't think I'd be doing turned out a punk, uh, if it hadn't been for his influence with Ego Trip, you know, before he played in 1865, uh, and also currently, you know, he's still a, a major figure in media doing a lot of really cool things that we talk about next week on the show. Uh, but also going back to Ego Trip uh, magazine, which I think is one of the best magazines ever, ever. Oh my gosh, these are both great episodes, and that is coming up for you on the next two Turned Out of Punks. So there you go. Remember, as always, black lives matter. The lives of indigenous people matter. And and please continue um, uh, going out, getting involved. If you're going out and being involved, thank you for what you're doing. Uh, donate if you can. Uh, show up if you can. And and really get yourself educated right now. Learn and, and, and listen as much as you possibly can. Because, you know, as we keep saying, it's an important moment in, in – um, in history right now. So you want to be on the right side of that thing when you look back on it. Uh, also make your own culture, go out there and make your own culture because it really does help. As I've said before, kind of keep you uh, grounded right now. Uh, I don't know if ground is the right way to put it. Anyway, it helps. It helps go out there and make your own culture, sign your organ donor cards. Cause that also helps. It helps when you don't need those organs anymore. That's for sure for someone else. So sign your organ donor cards and, and that's really it. Uh, I will see you next episode on the show. Stay safe. Protect each other out there. Fuck fascism. And I love you.